Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, March 19th, 2018. Um, today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 39, the second paragraph, which begins, Fred is partner in a well-known accounting firm. Um Today's readers are Marie J. on the 12 Steps, Stacey T. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Ashley P. and Kathleen O. The reference numbers are for yesterday, Sunday's special edition, March 18th, 2018. The number is 11,179. And for this morning, 7 a.m. East Coast meeting, the number is 11,182. And our newcomer greeter is Melanie C. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose... OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marie J. to read our 12 steps of OA. Kathy, did you say Marie? Sorry. Yes. Marie J.? Oh, here I am. Thank you. Um, this is Marie J. Recovered in Colorado. And these are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will and for the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much, Marie J. Um, and now, Stacy T., would you please read the 12 traditions of OA? Hi, this is Stacy T., recovering compulsive overeater in Cleveland. Thanks for your service, Kathy. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 
Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, but less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overuse Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you very much, Stacy T. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. I will be timing, and I will let you know if you get to three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 39, paragraph 2, which begins, Fred is partner in a well-known accounting firm. Um, I will now ask Ashley P. to get us started. Hi, this is Ashley P., recovered in Northern California. Can I be heard? Yes, you can, Ashley. Great. Thanks so much, and, and thanks for your service. Um, Fred is partner in a well-known accounting firm. His income is good, he has a fine home, is happily married, and the father of promising children of college age. He has so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone. If ever there was a successful businessman, it is Fred. To all appearances, he is stable, well, to all appearance, he is a stable, well-balanced individual, yet he is alcoholic. We first saw Fred about a year ago in a hospital where he had gone to recover from a bad case of jitters. It was his first experience of this kind, and he was much ashamed of it. Far from admitting he was an alcoholic, he told himself he came to the hospital to rest his nerves. The doctor intimated strongly that he might be worse than he realized. For a few days, he was depressed about his condition. He made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. It never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so in spite of his character and standing. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic, much less accept spiritual remedy for his problem. We told him what we knew about alcoholism. He was interested and conceded that he had some of the symptoms, but he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about, about it himself. He was positive that his humiliating experience, plus the knowledge he had acquired, would keep him sober the rest of his life. Self-knowledge would fix it. We heard no more of Fred for a while. One day we were told that he was back in the hospital. Uh, this time he was quite shaky. He soon indicated he was anxious to see us. The story he told is most instructive, for here was a chap absolutely convinced he had to stop drinking, who had no excuse for drinking, who exhibited splendid judgment and determination in all his other concerns yet was flat on his back, nevertheless. 
Let me just set my timer here. Uh, yeah, so um, I'm really uh, I'm thinking about all of the, the different um, stories that the big book provides us, different ways of identifying in um, uh, different types of alcoholic with of different different types of alcoholics that they give us um, so that we can um, understand all the different ways that our disease shows up. And when I've read Fred's story before, uh, I felt like I, this is just so not my experience. How can I identify? So I laughed a little bit to myself when these were the paragraphs that um, I read that I was told I was doing reading this morning. Um, and what's interesting is that today there are actually quite a few instances where I'm relating to uh, how Fred thought. Um, this sentence here, Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic, much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problems. That was absolutely me. Um, I would not believe that I had an eating disorder, and yet, I had been um, binging and restricting and compulsively over-exercising since I was a kid and always in my head about um, my appearance. And I had actually gone to eating disorder treatment. Um, when I left <clears throat> eating disorder treatment, uh, basically saying that uh, I'm not that bad and that I don't need to follow uh, a meal plan and I don't need to be in OA. And that's um, how, how bad my disease gets and um, how tricky it is. I, I basically can't differentiate the, the truth for the, from the false. Um, and I thought that, you know, with enough self-knowledge, I'd be able to take care of this. So then the question is, if, if I'm this sick, if I can't tell the truth and the false, if my brain always tells me that I only need self-knowledge and, and I'll be fine, exactly like Fred, then, then what, do I, what do I do? And um, the answer is to be in this book, um, to work the steps. That's all I know how to do is to stay in these steps. Um, every day to live in 10 and 11 and 12 and to admit um, my powerlessness and, and turn my life and my will over one, two, three. Uh, because my heart to stay here in, in abstinence actually has hope. And I never had that before. And I, I get that from, from working with that. And thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, SAP. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Ginger Lisa C. J.R. Right. One second. Ginger C. Lisa J.R. Raz Raz G. Yes. Marie Lee. G. Marie J. Lisa L. B. I have Lisa LB. I'm sorry, I had the wrong initials there. Mary, yeah, I think w. there was another Lisa. There was another Lisa before me. Oh, there was. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay, Lisa. The other one I had was Lisa Jr. I'm not sure I got those right, but we'll see. Okay, let me just say who I have, and I think I missed a few: Ginger C, Lisa Jr, Roz G. Marie J, Mary W, and Lisa LB. Did I miss anyone? Wendy M. Wendy M. Okay, let's stop there for now. Ginger C, please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Kathy. Can you hear me? I can. Great. Thank you so much for your service. This is Ginger C, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And I love this last sentence, self knowledge would fix it. Well, we know that self-knowledge avails us nothing. So we can intellectually know something, yet that knowledge does not produce a change in the way we behave. 
And it's absolutely true. It's only an entire psychic change, this personality change from inside that helps to build this power that I lack that prevents me from picking up a day at a time. So again, you know, if you're hurting and you want a new way, put down the food and get into this work because this is always about what I'm doing, not what I'm thinking. This is always requiring action. And thank God for it because today I do have this entire personality change and I never had it in 24 years of sitting in 12-step rooms. But I finally, you know, Herbert Spencer's quote no longer was what I was living. I was not content prior to investigation. I was dying and desperate in a sugar addiction and I was willing to go to any lengths for victory over that. I did exactly what my sponsor said, and I got exactly these results, like the first 100. And I was sharing that with my husband the other day because life happens and continues to happen. And today I have an entire psychic change. I believe and trust in this God. I don't need to know. I know that life works out perfectly. And I'm so grateful for that because I used to worry all the time. I, those nine-step promises, I had heard them in the room for all those years, but I just didn't think they were real. I thought those people were lying. And today to be experiencing that, you know, I get to rest and relax and take it easy. Because, again, I'm not driving. I'm in the passenger seat doing shotgun each and every day and just seeing where God takes me. And most importantly, to see how can I be of service today, God? How can I help you? God doesn't wear flesh. I do. So I'm just, you know, I pray. It's just a daily reprieve. We wash, rinse, repeat. Here you go. Here's a brand new opportunity. Go make it grand with God. Go see what can happen. Because you can avert misery and death for the person that's still eating. And I'm just so grateful on that page before, you know, Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic. I never thought the sugar was that bad until it got that bad, until I wanted to die and commit suicide over sugar and the consumption of eating it. So thank God for the research. And if you're not convinced, you may have a few more bites that need to enter. I am grateful for every beautiful bite I took because I finally conceded to my innermost self. That's where it all begins. I was out of ideas. I was screwed. I knew I was in big trouble, and I was willing, again, to go to any length for victory over this and not let this food addiction rob me of one more second of my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Lisa J.R. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for your service, moderator. If you'd be so kind to time me, I'd appreciate it. I'm Lisa J.R., gratefully recovered one day at a time and I had a lovely morning um, walking through the woods watching the sunrise while I listened to the early two meetings and boy how I relate to this fella Um, in the beginning I didn't think I related to him at all I quit uh, college in my junior year to follow a hobby that you know I made a I made a decent living at but I I uh I wasn't a terrible success, um, you know, so I didn't feel relatable. I didn't have kids. I didn't, you know, um, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't relate to him. But then I came into Vision for You after floundering for a year in regular OA um, as such. I came in... uh, you know, having had worked my program like a cafeteria, um, I could I could have one, two, and three in the bag because, you know, I I talk to my higher power every day since I was a kid. You know, I don't I don't need to to really dwell on those three steps. Boy, little did I know, little did I know. And I I half measured many things. You know, I was then I began to relate to this guy. I was terminally unique too. Um, I wasn't one of you. Self-knowledge was going to help me. All I needed is to find the linchpin in this disease that was going to help me suddenly manage it. Well, I finally realized after being beaten to a state of reasonableness after this awful malady, this awful beautiful malady, something I've, I've found has drawn me to such a deep 
fourth dimension with my higher power. I'm I'm um, just amazed that I that I was missing it all this time. Um, and you know, I heard somebody on a meeting talk about the pink cloud, and they said, you know. I stay on a pink cloud because I'm not eating. Um, sometimes the cloud sinks pretty low, um, pretty darn dismal. I'm, I'm taking a dismal ride, and sometimes I have a mountaintop experience. But, you know, anything is better than the disease was on, and I really related to that. Um, I was eager very much um, like this character that that just, you know, I finally said to people, I need, I was eager to see you. I was eager to hear what you had to say. And once I let go of control and I gave it to God and started working these steps and working this spiritual program, it's almost as if this whole food issue dissolved around me. Um, More is revealed and I'm finding I have to dig deeper in some of my relational issues, but it isn't what it used to be, and I'm so very grateful for all of you for that. And with that, I will pass. Have a great day, everyone. Okay, thank you very much, Lisa Jr. Roz G, please go ahead. Good morning. This is Roz G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And I would like to focus on two sentences. Of course, I could spend a lot of time on this wonderful part, piece of passage of the big book, very identifiable, but I'll take two of them, two sentences. And the first one is, yet he is alcoholic. And the other is, it never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so in spite of his character and standing. And as I was uh, listening to the other shares and thinking about these two sentences, I thought about good old Sam I am, green eggs and ham. I do not like them. I do not like them. I won't eat them. But I am Sam. And I am Roz. And I am a compulsive overeater. And it says here, yet he is, period. He is alcoholic. I am a compulsive eater. And there's lots of foods that I say, I won't eat them. I won't eat them here. I won't eat them there. I'll take a trip. I won't take a trip. I'll only eat it on vacation. I'll only eat it on Friday. I've done all that stuff. And it always bites me in the ass every single time. Even though I want to eat green eggs and ham or whatever it is that my alcoholic foods in a box with a fox on vacation, off vacation, on a Friday, on a weekend only. I am a compulsive overeater. So it's going to get me every single time. I cannot do it. It's not that I won't do it. It's that I can't do it. And if I do do it, I'm going to end up just like Fred. And I have, I have ended up just like Fred in, in one way or another in the past with my chronic relapses. I always regret it. I always gain weight. I always get resent. It, it always starts with a, a resentment because somebody didn't do something the way I wanted them to do it. And I have to constantly watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Constantly. Watch. What I'm doing, and I need God's help because I cannot do it. Sam, I am. Roz, I am. Roz, I am a compulsive overeater. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Roz G. Um, Marie J., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy. This is Marie J., recovered in Colorado. Uh, He made up his mind to quit. It never occurred to him that he couldn't do so. And he was a long way from admitting he could do nothing about it himself. And so, uh, you know, that's self-knowledge, that's self-will, that's self-reliance. Those are all character liabilities. They limit my freedom. They limit my ability to be free from the prison, self-imposed prison, my self-imposed prison. I created it. And I think I am the power when I'm into my disease. 
I am the power. I can control this. I can manage it. That's when I'm in my disease. It never occurred to me that I couldn't do something that I willed myself to do. You know, we addicts, we get our way. You know, we're, 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 that's the way we're wired. I have had so much success in my life, and there wasn't any reason that I couldn't have success at this, but I couldn't. You know, all my success in life came from pushing and shoving and climbing over people and climbing around people and controlling and demanding and raging until I got my way. And sometimes I was technically sweet and manipulative, you know, anything to get my way. So why wouldn't I be able to conquer this? I have self-knowledge, I have self-will, and I have self-reliance, and I have had success doing it that way. But I thank God that I finally hit bottom, and I had to get rigorously honest and see that I cannot do this alone. There is a power, and I'm not it. There is a God, and I'm not it. And until I got to that level of understanding, and that was my bottom. My bottom was in my mind. I got to bottom with food, but, but I didn't really get recovery until two years after I had already lost the weight and had already gotten you know, through the food issues and gotten pretty neutral on food. You know, my bottom was in my mind, thinking I can fix, manage, control, run things and, and rage my way to get my way. And it wasn't until I finally saw that I cannot be in charge. So that's steps one, two, and three. You know, I'm powerless, and the more I think self can be in charge here, the more unmanageable my life becomes. That's step one. And then I have to choose to believe there's a power that can run things and can restore me. And most important in this trifecta of the first three steps is the third step. The journey from step two to step three is from my head to my heart. I have a belief now that there's a power that can restore me, but until I can surrender and get in my heart, through acceptance, then does my belief turn into action, my surrender, the surrender in my heart. And through that acceptance of my life is what it is, I am going to wake up every day with my addict and she wants to be in charge and I accept that I'm powerless and I surrender it to higher power, the power that exists that is greater than me. And that's what I do when I wake up and roll over. I accept who I am and I do the first three steps. And until then, I can be useful to no one, to myself or to anyone else. And as my primary purpose to reach out and carry this message is I don't always, always accept that that's who I am and I have to begin my journey with the first three steps every morning. Until then, I'm of no use. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Mary J. Mary W., please go ahead. Mary, press star one to unmute. Yes, good morning. Thank you. I was talking and I was not unmuted. Uh, thank you, moderator, and thank you for the meeting. Um, I'm walking, so I was listening as the reading was being done, but I was thinking as the man was, um, this gentleman was locked up for three days in the psych hospital, or we would call it rehab today probably, but um, he made the excuse that he just was there to have a rest from his nervous condition. And um, I think back many years ago, I was uh, I was using uh, drugs from the time I was five years old. The the drug of uh, the white powdery stuff, which is nine times more uh, addictive than heroin. And then it went on to other substances, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, caffeine. And um, I then had a uh, great spiritual awakening when I was 24 years old and was able to let go of the drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, and even I stopped drinking caffeine at at that time. 
But I listened to, and I didn't think or even realize that I was still an alcoholic. I was still a addict. And so um, I was listening last night to a uh, um, one of the uh, special editions, and the uh, gentleman was sharing on um, cooperating with the grace of God. And I thought I was fine in that area because I had a really great uh, spiritual awakening, and I thought all my problems were over then. I knew God. But <laughs> I've been struggling now since that time, that was 45 years ago, with this addiction. And to really bring bring that uh, into today, he said, unless you put that food down, that substance, you cannot be cooperating with the grace of God. And I thought I knew it all. I knew all the, the teaching, the doctrine, the theology. I even taught it. But I could not get it right in this area. And it took a long time for God to convince me. <laughs> I'm an addict. And I, there's only, he said there's only one way to recalibrate this computer that um, has the software, but it's been, um, it's got a virus, he said. And the way to correct that is the divinely inspired 12 steps. And so I'm actively pursuing um, the at this time. Thank you for letting me share. Have a blessed day, everyone. Thank you, Mary W. Lisa L.B., please go ahead. Hi, Kathy. Thank you so much for your service. This is Lisa L.B., a grateful recover compulsive eater in Florida. And I can so identify in with Fred on this reading, as I um, also, to all appearances, was a stable, well-balanced individual. And I, too, had a food addiction, but I never wanted to see it or believe it. And, you know, when I look back, I tried for decades to, quote, fix, end quote, my food problem. But it just kept pushing me further and further into my disease. I could not do it on my own. And it wasn't until I finally walked into the rooms of OA, and this was after the seed hadn't been planted by many others for years, that I finally saw that I can't do this on my own and that my problem was a lot worse than I ever realized. However, I learned by working with the sponsor in this big book to push through those extremely uncomfortable moments, and I mean extremely uncomfortable. We all can remember that, um, of putting the food down no matter how strong the chatter in my head was to succumb to picking them up. I mean, I would scream at the walls and at my disease to leave me alone. And I learned to pick up the spiritual remedy that they refer to here, you know, which is the steps in a higher power. And they had literally changed me from the inside out. I always tried to change the outside, but that wasn't what needed to be changed. I had to change from the inside. So it wasn't easy conceding that I had this disease, and it wasn't easy conceding that a power greater than myself could change me. And it certainly wasn't easy fighting, I mean, wasn't easy fighting through those very uncomfortable moments of putting the food down. But I have to say, I am so grateful to be living happy, joyous, and free today for doing so. And I wish this for everyone out there who is still struggling or, or just coming in as a newcomer. Um, this program is out there for everyone, and this recovery is out there for everyone. Um, so thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa L.B. Um, Wendy, please go ahead. Uh, yes, good morning, Wendy M. Recovered in Colorado. I'm grateful to be on the line. Kathy, thank you for your service and everybody who has shared, everybody who's listening, everyone who's on this line. Um, it is a lifeline for me uh, every day. So the first thing I want to say is that I have a perception problem, right? And so to me, Fred's story is very much about um, you know, our minds, the twist of mind. And it says here that he told himself, right, he came to the hospital. And then it says he made up his mind. Okay, that's a super dangerous place for me to be in, for me to be alone with my mind. Uh, he made up his mind. I've made up my mind so many times 
there's no God in that sentence. There's no um, recovery. There's no spiritual awakening in that sentence. He made up his mind. And then on the next page, it says he was positive. And, you know, I've said it before, but the disease is in my voice, so it sounds right. Um, and when I come up with an idea, um, it's, it's uh, usually a dangerous place for me to be hanging out. And that's why I pick up the phone and call all of you, because I need to hear God's will, God's voice through you. Because hanging out in my own mind is not a good place to, to, to be. And, you know, I can tell you that self-reliance, um, like right now, is, I'm, I'm hitting bottom right now with self-reliance. I'm absolutely exhausted with myself. And it's so possible that the food is down, but I can still be agnostic in other areas of my life, right? So in work, I'm fully agnostic. I still have the belief that I've got to run the show. In fact, I'm positive, just like Fred, that if I just, you know, ex- uh, exhibit splendid judgment and determination, I'll be good to go. But I'm, I'm flat on my back. Um, last night was a flat on my back experience. I couldn't stop crying. And God's like, we're going to stay here until you're willing to let go and to not be agnostic in that area. I need you to let go of your self-reliance. I need you to stop running the show, you know, and it's, it's going to, you know, for Fred, it had to get bad enough. And for me, apparently it has to get bad enough, but I'm really willing to do something radical, radical faith, you know, and then with that, that, that I have a belief and then I have radical faith. And, and I heard something yesterday at a meeting that was brilliant. This woman said, it's all about, it's my perception of reality. It's not reality. It's my perception. That's the distortion. That's where the healing has to happen, right? And the only thing that gets me out of that perception, my thinking that is not well, I love that. My perception is twisted. And, and the only thing out is this program of action. As was said before, I cannot hang out in my mind. I must take action. I must pick up the phone and call you. I must listen on the line. And if you're scared to share, I'm telling you it feels fabulous. So if you haven't shared on this line, please, please pick up the phone. We need to hear from you. But any action gets me to God so fast. It gets me out of paralysis, and I think that's my time. Thank you. Yes. Let me share. Yep. Thank you, Kathy. Thanks, Wendy. Um, okay, we'll now take um, probably Five more people? Four or five? I'm not sure. Maybe four. Let's see how we go. Leah S. Leah S. Melanie. Melanie. Was that Melanie C or Melanie B? G. Melanie C. C. Melanie C. Okay. Who else? Leslie. 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 Did I hear a Leslie? Yes, she did. Leslie who? Leslie W. Okay, Leslie W and C. Okay, I heard CG and Sherry KB. I'm not sure we'll get to you, Sherry, but I'll put you down. Okay, let's start with Leah S. Please go ahead, Leah. Thank Thank you so much, Kathy, for your service and everyone else on the line. My name is Leah S., and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And um, what I take out of this um, paragraph and the rest of the paragraphs are that I have to concede to my innermost self. And what does it mean, concede to my innermost self? I consider myself, you know, um, I've done some good choices in my life, and I you know, thank you uh, for telling me what to do and what not to do. And that was the defiance in me. That was the, uh, the, the, the uh, I know it all, the godliness that, that I am and who am I and what am I. I have to remember where I'm coming from because one minute from the next I could not remember. And the reason I could not remember was because a minute ago I had said, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to do this again. It's Monday already. How many Mondays am I going to do this? And, and then the next minute, I forget. I forget. Why do I forget? 
this is a study that never penetrated through me until I didn't pick up this big book and do these steps. Get into the fourth step. Find out who Leia really is, what Leia is like. Leia is a compulsive overeater, and that's that. And this is a life and death matter for me, this program. Whatever I do, when I need to do a 10-step, I better get on to it because it's a life and death matter. I cannot rationalize because when I'm having feelings that are negative, I cannot afford it. I cannot afford it because that negativity leads me down the drain. And I don't want to go down that drain anymore. I live too much of a good life now in alliance with my higher power that is so unbelievably, um, it, it's just unbelievable. That's the word. And, and for, for that, no, no. It's one little thing, and there is a solution. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah S. Uh, Melanie C., please go ahead. Hey, good morning, Kathy K. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon. And I keep reading this story, and I'm saying, how come he has to stop? I mean, he's got a well-balanced life. He's well-accomplished. He's stable. He's charming. His kids grew up well. I don't have that story. <laughs> That's not my take on it. I'm thinking, he's got it all. He gets to have his cake and eat it too. Heck, why does he want to stop? It doesn't make any sense to me, except that I continue to read it on. And because there was a point in my life that um, regardless of what he was doing, I was doing the opposite. And there was good reason for me to come in here. I didn't believe that I had the ism part of this thing. I just couldn't go on anymore, and LA was free, and so I came. And from that point, when the booze was taken off of Melanie, the mind was able to grasp some of these ideas that at this particular point our dear friend Fred wasn't able to see. But there's some reason why he ended up, at, ended up in hospital. There was some reason why that was enough for him to call these guys back again. Something was going on that I'm not reading in the story that it was – it was just not acceptable. Something was going on that he was seeing about this booze use right next to the fact that things were going away, going okay. I mean, in those other areas, he was accomplishing so much more. Because he was treating his alcoholism with alcohol, he had a condition that he was treating with the poison over and over and over and over again. And I had it so convoluted, so compounded, that I was treating the ism with the poison over and over and over again. At such a young age, I didn't know that that's what I was doing. Thank God that it got to be so horrible and so bad. And it wasn't, it wasn't socially acceptable to be 300 pounds in this world. There was so much bullying and chaos going around that, along with my own self-shame that I came in here and he showed me a way out so that I could start think, thinking clearly. This disease is in the mind. I am powerless over alcohol and my life became unmanageable. Sometimes it looks like two separate components, but they really do converge. The disease is that I'm unmanageable. I can't manage. Yet I continued to try because I kept trying to use those same things out there that I saw in the world the way they did it, but I had no legs. I kept trying to walk and I had no legs and they, were, they kept walking and walking. That tells me how the distortion, the place that I went from illusion to delusion to insanity with this kind of thing, I couldn't see straight. And I've said this before, but I'll just repeat it again before I go off here, is that it wasn't until something shot me down so much that I went to the place that I said I would never go, that it was a fate worse than death to say that I was an addict into these rooms and then something was wiped away that I could take in, take in this teaching and this knowledge. The treatment is simply this, odd as it may seem, for a condition that I have is a spiritual treatment. And that's the only thing I pursue here. With a vengeance, I pursue this with a vengeance, a spiritual treatment. All other stuff has to be kicked aside. Kicked aside. And as long as I stay in the middle of this herd, thanks, Kathy, in the middle of this herd, 
I will not go back into that same kind of warped thinking. My perspective, absolutely my perspective has been forwarded outside of it. Thanks, Kathy. Bye. Thank you, Melanie C. Mary T., please go ahead. Hi, this is Mary T. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Hi, this is Mary T. in Vermont, and um, <clears throat> I don't share on the line very often, but I'm starting to get used to it. So, uh, yeah, I relate with this story a lot. I identify in, um, and I really have enjoyed hearing what everyone else has had to say. It's um, helped a lot. Uh, I My disease is in my mind. I made some notes as I was thinking about what I'd say. My disease is so in my mind, and I want to think it's just in my body, and I want to think I can just treat it with... Um, my food plan and and doing the minimum it that has always been my struggle. I've been in the program for a really long time and and have um started to feel better and then think that I can just do the minimum or rest of my laurels or just spend so much time in my mind and plan how um my recovery is gonna look and how and you know just be thinking all the time but <clears throat> I'm really have struggled so much with defiance and, and not wanting to to do what everyone else is doing or find another way an easier softer way um and making it so complicated really making the program complicated so I wake up every morning and I I joke about it with my friends cuz I wake up with just these um ideas that are so out there or, or and a lot of dread sometimes or but just thinking I can handle the day on my own and I'm 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 learning to just take direction. Uh, I spoke with my sponsor this morning, and she's strong. She's a good sponsor, and I I didn't like what she had to say one bit. And I'm and I'm just listening to this meeting, reminding myself just to not spend time in my in my mind because that's where my disease is, and just do what my sponsor says and take these actions and not overthink about not overthink it. And and I'm just like Fred. I I mean people. Uh, I've also never had huge weight issues um i've always fluctuated constantly fluctuated it's an issue with my clothes it's an issue with you know a lot of areas of my personal life but people don't see that so much and i look like i've got my stuff together but there's been times where um one time in particular where i thought told my husband i think i just need to be checked into uh, a, a rehab or something for food and you know leave my lovely little children and send me away somewhere. I just felt like I could not handle it, and the food was, was really killing me. And it fluctuates so much. So there's those times where I think I can control it. I really think that, oh, I remember that time where I was eating, but I was was eating in moderation maybe or a little bit. Um, but I never know. I never know how far I'm going to go, and I've gone really deep um, and, and hell with the, with the food before. So I might look like I have it together, and my mind is going to continue to tell me that I can keep it together because I am so smart. <laughs> but the disease is in my mind, and I'm just going to keep uh, showing up and doing what I'm told and following the directions of what other people have done, even though I don't like it. I don't like it sometimes. But thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you, Mary T. Um, Leslie W., you'll be our last chair. I'm sorry, Sue and Sherry, we won't be able to hear you today. Go ahead, Leslie. Thank you so much. Um, this is Leslie W. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling from Tennessee, and I really identify with Fred. Um, <clears throat> I was really good at putting on a show. And I had everything to live for, everything. Um, when, when, my, when my compulsive overeating um, manifested, I had um, a business in Nash, downtown Nashville on Music Row. I had a brand-new baby who was beautiful and perfect. My husband and I were building a brand-new house. I had a well standing in my community and in my church, respected and admired and singing in the choir and leading Bible studies. And, man, I just looked like I had my act together. And, you know, it's really easy to sit in the disease of compulsive overeating after you've had a baby. 
Because people say, oh, you know what, don't worry about it. That's just baby weight. You'll get it off. No problem. It was, you know, it was perfect. All the conditions were right. God humbled me through this disease. I don't believe he inflicted this disease upon me, but I do believe that he allowed this disease to take me down and humble me. And I'll never forget my husband saying to me one morning in 2010, 2011, whenever it was, and we were waking up in our brand new house, and I just, you know, I just wanted to die. I was upstairs in my bathroom thinking about how I could drown myself. Because I was so dishonest, and I hated myself so much. And I had no connection to God, none whatsoever. I thought I did, but I was so wrong. And I'm so, I'm so glad that today that I can, I can finally be me, and I don't have to be stuck in the grips of this illness anymore. I can have real relationships with people. I can, no matter what's going on around me, and I have bad days just like everybody else. You have bad days, I have bad days. But I don't have to compulsively eat over it, you know. And and, and, and I never thought I would get well. I never thought. I couldn't make it. I couldn't make it two hours without eating. I couldn't make it through the night without eating. And, man, progress. A lot of progress has been made. Thank God for OA. And uh, thanks for letting me share today. I passed. Thank you, Leslie W. And thank you, everyone, for being here. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Kathleen O., would you read a vision for you, please? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.